All right, welcome to the Grab Lives podcast, everybody. Just to start the podcast with our disclaimer, everything we say and do does not reflect the city of Los Angeles Fire Department. And yeah, this is a, a wonderful episode we are going to start here. This is our first guest that we have. His name is Wolf Pernanda. And before we get started, I would love to have a great introduction on um, what this podcast is about. And so the groundworks for what's being set in place here is about when Trevor and I started this podcast, it was about really being open with ourselves and relaying with one another our vulnerability and our honesty uh, through our troubles and our influx of all the things we have to deal with on top of dealing with a very challenging career of which we love uh, to do and, and the work it provides for us. But in order for us to uh, allow this, uh, this paradigm to shift and this consciousness to shift, there has to be a lot of openness and the rigidity that's been surrounding, um, you know, this generation for a very long time has to end in order for us to really shift that consciousness, it's it has to be a lot of openness to, to step into. And so we really want to instill uh, for our audience and our listeners to open your minds. And we would love to decorate your minds with some new alternative medicines. And one in particular is going to be ayahuasca. And... With this medicine, I mean, for myself, I fell into ayahuasca when I was really struggling, and this medicine came across my path, and it, it saved my life. It, it took me to a place of greater understanding of myself, and it also began to uh, heal my neurons in my head when I had my concussion. It began to give me just a deeper understanding of the self. It helped me work through suicide ideation. Help me work through all the lack that I carried, all the pain and suffering that I've caused for myself. And it really unraveled uh, a lot of things that I was able to accept and move forward with. And on top of it, it really gave me an, a, a great honor of understanding of, of this planet and the years and lifetimes that we've desecrated this planet and the just poor correlation we've had for so many, so many lifetimes from this planet. And this medicine of ayahuasca comes from this planet and it's been used for thousands of years. And when we're going to, we're going to introduce this medicine on a, on a deeper level of what it means, uh, on a, uh, level of, um, science and a level of experience of how it's shifted many people's lives. And I think Trevor and I are very, very, um, we're harping on the fact that we have a high responsibility to take care of people that are sick. And if we are not well, and we care, we're carrying years of baggage, emotional stuck things that we just are holding in, how are we supposed to show up to work and help other people? And by using a tool like this, like ayahuasca, to help us uh, really find ourselves to step into our power of who we are and show up centered, calm and collected on major incidents 
and serious, serious calls when we show up to work, this is the type of tool that's very beneficial to help us do that. And so we don't have to be sick anymore. So we don't have to come home and project onto our families and take it out on them. So uh, I'm going to introduce Wolf Pernananda. He is a wonderful human, one of my favorite humans on this planet. Same. (laughs) (laughs) He is a mentor to me and has become a brother to me and a, a wonderful friend. And he has a lot to say and just we... Trevor and I love this guy. He's just a really um, wonderful human being. And um, he just has a great experience with this medicine. And he calls himself a transformation specialist. Is that correct, Wolf? Yes. Transformational specialist? Okay, cool. And, you know, he was able to really uh, walk me through a lot of uh, these these uh, parts of myself that I, I needed um, guidance with. And he was there to assist me. And... Yeah, he really was there for me. and uh, uh, So, yeah, I'd love to introduce you. you this is uh, Wolf Pernanda. Go ahead, Wolf. Thank you. Um, as we talked about earlier today, just um, the level of, of quality of work you're doing on this podcast and um, the information you're getting out to, to everyone, including the first responders, is, is can be life-changing. And so I just want to give you both just reverence and honor for just your beautiful beautiful work and offering him into this world and on this planet. It's such a a beautiful, beautiful, um, powerful um, service you're providing and offering to people and helping them in a given way. Yeah. So it's an honor to be with you and support this process. Hell yeah, man. You're our first guest. Wow. It's great. You've been honor. I know how much you've been to both of us in our lives. Hmm. It's awesome to have you here. I think it feels great. So yeah, dude, uh, we, we really want to hear, uh, we know your, well, I know your story of origin, but I think it's important for the audience to really hear, you know, how you came across, um, your path of life that you're walking now and, yeah. and how that came about for you. So yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So this path started out um, in sports medicine, uh, for 14 years and started in Arizona where I grew up. Um, worked with some professional athletes and teams and common folk as well and um, incredible opportunities and experiences in that in the opportunity and I ended up getting kind of brought out or recruited to come out to Los Angeles in 2008 happened to be when the recession hit and uh, I went to work for a space in Beverly Hills and we had to transform the gym into much more like a medical based training center mm. with PPO insurance and billable modalities yeah. and um, I managed the place for five years and I then began to hear a message and the message was, you're supposed to heal from the natural remedies from the earth. Whether I was in a meditation or a yoga class or doing something for myself or some kind of self-love practice, this message kept coming up. Yeah. And so there was a doctor there. We had a couple on staff. And uh, I asked one of them, I said, hey, I, do you know any naturopath doctors I can talk to about looking at my path of, of schooling and kind of what little paths I can jump to get into that profession and that offering of service? And um, he came in the next day and he said, hey, call this woman have this number for you. Um, by the way, I've only worked here long enough for you to ask me for this number. I didn't know how to take that. And he left that day and never came back to work. Oh my God. And so <laughs> I, uh, I called this woman and she happened to be in Long Beach and I was yeah. born in Long Beach and I never returned in 35 years. Wow. And so I called her and I had an appointment with her to go over what 
kind of referral I can get from her or guidance on how to get into school. And um, I showed up at her office and I walked in and I noticed that everything in her office was something spiritual based, yeah. all different belief systems, Catholic, Christian, Native American, non-dominational, Buddhism, all over the walls. Yeah. And I, I being a, a raised in non-denominational Christianity, I was like, do you have to pick one of these? Right. <laughs> this is a test. <laughs> and, uh, and so I sat down and she, she shuts the door behind me. She goes, I have to tell you, they told me you were coming. I said, who told you I was coming? <laughs> and she said, the Ascended Masters. And I said, who's that? And she was beginning to talk about these higher realms of beings. Um, people call them angels or different access points of, of, of beings. You know, one of them could be Jesus Christ or the Bodhisattva, the Buddha, or different people who've come here as great teachers and who's walked this planet and helped us with our consciousness, helped us understand who we are, um, how powerful we are as, as souls or spirits having a human experience yeah. and the purpose we carry. And these have been great teachers. You know, none of them want to be religions. They wanted to be teachers of consciousness right. and of, of, of our hearts, understand who we really are. And I didn't understand that at the time. And she began to tell me, instead of a two-hour conversation about how to get into school, it turned into a three-hour conversation about my life wow. and why I'm here on the planet. And walked out of that meeting um, a little confused, yeah. a little just not really fully understanding where she was coming from. Um, but it made sense. Something really resonated with that conversation. And so I looked at school, got into school, um, was going to school in Santa Monica, doing my, pre my prereqs for an empathic doctor for best year in, in Washington. And um, I began to work with a Buddhist monk priest for meditation. I began to work with a yogic swami for what yoga really is. And at the same time, I began to work with two shamans working medicine of ayahuasca. And in the year and a half, I took a really big left turn. And that was over a decade ago. Wow. And at this time, when you were introduced to this woman, how woo-woo were you? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you have practices where you were meditating, doing yoga, like me pulling cards from the tarot deck? <laughs> not, not at all. I was going to yoga once, once a week. Yeah. Hot yoga and my, all my Under Armour gear, trying to really get, get a good sweat Beverly off. Beverly Hills sports medicine doctor. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, but it was in that year and a half where what she said began to manifest. Yeah. And um, I literally was working with a Buddhist monk priest every day. I'd go to his house and meditate with him an hour a day in the morning. And in the meditations, I began to have a lot of clarity and a lot of information. Um, some very mystical things began to happen. Um, taking into the higher dimensional realms of understanding and, mm. and clarity and being visited by um, other beings. And I don't say beings in a realm of um, ET style. I'm yeah. talking about more in the realm of clarity or guides. I love of, the term conversation. I've felt like I've had spirit guides my entire life. Yeah. Just when I, I thought I was at rock bottom, you know, someone like, like John, we would deepen our friendship or I'd come see you for the first time and you'd serve me Cambo. <laughs> guides have always been, you know, around me. Right. So when you tap into that, how it's impossible to ignore. Right. And images and, and clarity and just these incredible experiences in the meditations and i begin to understand this practice of meditation you know having some kind of self-love self-care practice where you honor your being yeah one minute a day five minutes a day three hours a day like whatever it is doesn't have to look a certain way anything you do to honor yourself mm -hmm. it's a way to fill your well 
And it's a way to really fill your well, especially for first responders or anybody who looks to to offer themselves into the world and just support humanity and creation. Right. Like fill your well first. Yeah. So you can walk out of the world and give yourself from a place of infinite, infinite source. Give from the overflow of your own cup. Exactly. And uh, I begin to access that through meditation. Awesome. So for me, that's my personal practice. Cool. Um, that's where that's where all the magic happens. Yeah. And I begin to, you know, that, you know, our demographics might be different, but age-wise, there used to be a book when I was little called The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I think it's called Narnia now, right? Yeah. And there was always this magical door in the back of the closet mm-hmm. where they could access these magical moments. And that's what meditation became for me. It was a place where I could access information and understanding and clarity. And uh, my dad passed away when I was 20, so he began to contact me. My mom passed away four years ago. We talk in meditation all the time. And so it's understanding that that this physical existence of our being is one dimensional level. And there's another dimension. And so when we, this life completes its purpose, our soul moves into the next higher dimensional state. Even though the form changes, nothing doesn't die. Right. And so my mom and I talk all the time. It's been a beautiful existence. Um, you know, it's been happening since the day she passed. That's amazing. And so it's really, you know, she, now she's on that side where she can pull some strings and yeah. she can support the process of guiding me in life yeah. and helping me guide where I need to be in the next moment for my purpose of life and how to drive my, my purpose on the planet and, and operate for my soul of, of purity and understanding and clarity. It's an amazing quality because what I've noticed is like when John entered onto this spiritual path, he invited me onto this path as well. And you have this relationship with your mother, you have a guide. And then yet you use that, right, to center yourself, but you're also guiding me. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like transformation specialist, you know, I've called you a shaman, you know, I've called you a friend, a guru, at times a guardian angel. Hmm. You've never ignored a phone call. Hmm. I've always just felt like I could hit you up and, you know, no matter what I was going through with Leah or, you know, myself, and you were always there for me. And that's a really amazing quality that I respect in people in this uh, realm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, that, that are drawn to healing, is they're receiving guidance and they're giving guidance as well. Mm-hmm. I Thank really appreciate that. that about you. And I found it really fascinating, too, when I would ask you a question, sometimes I'd be like, so confused about something and then you would give me such like a simple analogy and it would be turned into my face about like something i already knew and it was just so uh it was handled with grace all the time and like sometimes i just i would be like damn it wolf like you did it again <laughs> you know Dude, what I mean? it's an amazing quality too yeah you're right so guidance i'm a, a big fan of guidance that comes in the form of storytelling yeah you know what i mean and these are like right. we're talking about plant medicine that's been around for thousands of years right Right. and on my path i started to read a lot about masculinity and Mm. wolf you embody divine masculine right Mm. you've been such an amazing teacher for me and i've also uh you know found this concept in mythology right that's you know honor your ancestors find mentors and i know i'm speaking for both of us i know wolf has been an incredible mentor to us right? right and in these stories of mythology you always have someone that's not necessarily like giving you the playbook, but they're telling you a story, right? And they're telling a relevant story that's, that's meant to inspire you. Right. And I, I've always just been drawn to that form of guidance. Hmm. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. And it's, I love this. I love this concept that when we're always when we're collaborating with one another, 
we're all mirrors of each other, right? Mm-hmm. And we're always teaching each other and learning from one another without even knowing it. And that's the beauty of like interconnectedness is that we can, you know, like I always tell Trevor, Trevor always, you know, give me like a, a, a rad compliment, you know, it'd be like, dude, John, I, I freaking love you, dude. And I'm like, dude, Trevor, you don't understand. Like you're always teaching me, bro. Like you're always, I'm always learning from you no matter what. And so it's just this wonderful collaboration between friendship and that bond is just, it's a wonderful, um, uh, thing to have and it's it's uh it's kind of rare these days you know yeah i think a lot of that is is just the openness we open up this podcast about in the introduction and when we have this thread of that it opens up so many different doors mm-hmm. and it, it goes through like so many different depths and levels of ourselves to where we can go beyond and become family and bring this unity with one another that we're really shifting within this context on this planet you know it's just we're bringing that back and it's just a really cool relationship to have. So yeah, brother. Um, I'd love to hear more about, um, you know, I know there's so many different left turns that you have taken. Right. And, you know, we are into this, uh, consciousness shifting with these alternative medicines that are going to help people. And I know you had said like ayahuasca is like, uh, 10 years of therapy in one night. So I would really love for you to kind of explain, you know, like what ayahuasca is, where it comes from first, and then how that works. You know what I mean? Wonderful. Okay. Well, just to give a little more background to the story is that um, I've been working with this medicine for over 10 years and um, been serving it full time for a little over three and a half now. And from a science base of the medicine, Ayahuasca is made of two main components. One is the ayahuasca vine. The other is something called the jacuna leaf. And so one activates the other. Um, the active ingredient in ayahuasca is what they call DMT. Dimethyltryptamine. Yeah. And, you know, all living organisms have DMT in them, including ourselves. And so when you go into a deep REM sleep, you have a small secretion of DMT, which allows you to go into a dream state. When you take your last breath as a human, you have a large secretion of DMT, which allows your soul to leave your body. And so there's a gentleman named by Terence McKenna, and he termed it what they call the spiritual molecule or the God molecule. And it's an access point to access this higher understanding of your being. And so in, when you drink it in a tea, there's many forms of it. There's called the bufo various frog that you can, you know, that frog that you talk about, you can lick the back of the frog. It doesn't really work that way, but you can ingest it that way. But in ayahuasca, it's made in a brew of a liquid. And just so you know, in the typical form in the tribes in the Amazon or South America, like men collect the vine, women collect the leaf, and the women pray into each leaf. They clean it off with their, with their fingers, clean all the dirt off, and they put it into the bucket. And it takes almost, you know, um, up to a thousand leaves to, to create these, wow. these, these, uh, these quantities of ayahuasca. And it's cooked for, for many, many long time. <laughs> and depending on the potency that they want to cook it for. And in this, in this active ingredient of DMT is when you ingest it into your body or drink it, goes about a time of hour, hour and a half for ingestion. And then it begins to open up a higher realm of consciousness, a higher understanding. Um, it's called an entheogen. So even though a lot of times it's put in the category of psychedelics, it's not really a psychedelic People have sometimes a misunderstanding that psychedelics are about hallucinating. 
right. and you see these and you see these things your mind's creating these visions and so that's not ayahuasca mm. ayahuasca is there's an understanding of a higher realm of consciousness that you can tap into um very similar to what you might call a near-death experience without the death right. where you get to cross over into the higher realm of understanding without the trauma happening <laughs> sounds you, too good to be true <laughs> <laughs> sign me up <laughs> And you can access information. Yeah. And anything that you want to understand is accessible. If you want to understand how the planets are made, if you want to understand why your lover is your lover, why you chose your parents, anything that you want to look at, you can be looked at. Mm -hmm. And so many people around the earth or the globe will reference ayahuasca as the grandmother or the mother. Yes. Just to give you a little backstory, when I made the transition from sports medicine to natural medicine, uh, one of my clients gifted me an Ayurvedic astrology reading. And... Um, Ayurvedic is a, is a more of a Hindu practice or yogic practice of ancient medicines and a different technology, kind of like astrology, mm -hmm. but different in, different in how it operates. And at the end of the reading, the woman grabbed my hand. She said, I have to tell you one more thing. I have to tell you their greatest teacher is a woman. At the time, I didn't know who she meant. I knew she meant my mom or lover, who she's referencing. I now know she's talking about the grandmother of Ayahuasca. Yeah. And over the past decade with this medicine, I've been able to access my soul, my purpose of life, understand who I am, clear things of limited beliefs or consciousness that weren't serving me anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything from a fear of abandonment with my mother in sixth grade to different things and look at these things from a different perspective without having to experience the trauma and yeah. being able to see them with a different higher understanding or just a more clear understanding of like the reason of why maybe those experiences happen or the solution to something that I was going through and getting clarity. Yeah. Or I can come back into my body, into my life with a clear understanding and navigate from a much more centered place, uh, much more of a balanced state. And you might call it quote unquote healed, but more importantly, you feel more connected to self and clarity around maybe something you're experiencing or had to experience it. Maybe you're carrying shame or blame around or something that you're not proud of yourself. And you actually get to see that maybe that choice you thought that you thought was a was a a negative impact on your life you actually get shown that was the best possible choice you could have made Dude. and you get to clear those things hmm. and so again any information is accessible in those states of consciousness and similar to what john talked about is that yes it's similar to 10 years of therapy in eight hours mm. the amount of information that you can go through and process and you're being guided you're being guided by this divine feminine being um that they call the grandmother yeah. And sometimes it feels like you just get a big hug. And I don't want to go too much in the esoteric part because people have to experience themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's different for everybody. Yeah. But there's, you're supported. You're not just launched into space and just trying to figure out what's going on. Um, there's something there to support your process. And 10 years ago, a lot of the journeys or a lot of the ceremonies were more about people healing things like trauma as a child yeah, heroin addiction i remember that's when i first started hearing about ayahuasca 10 years ago mm -hmm. was like if if you're a junkie and you are you know gonna die soon from your addiction mm -hmm. go try ayahuasca right that's good it's gonna cure you mm -hmm. but now we hear less about i guess drug addiction and more about facing trauma or do you find that people come to see you for a similar reason yeah it's it, it continues to evolve gotcha. you know um it's it's ayahuasca is a heart-based medicine absolutely about connect to your heart yeah, and yeah. when i when i say heart i don't mean this this lovey-dovey like i want to give you a hug heart i'm talking about like there is more neurons in the in the in the heart than the brain and so it's a communication center mm -hmm. and there's a lot of information coming through 
Um, give you one example. There's a movie called The Power of the Heart, and it's a documentary over a decade ago. And in this movie, they, they do a, a science experiment. And what it goes like is that they have these, these participants that come into a room, and what they're looking to do is see how the heart responds to fear and to love. Wow. And so what they do is they flash a picture in front of the participant for five seconds, and then it goes away. And they see, they, the person's all wired up to see what the heart's doing. And these pictures are extreme to fear-based pictures, to things like machetes on animals, to flowers and babies, and you know the extremes on both sides. Yeah. And what the person does is they, they push a button, there's a 10 second delay, and the picture flashes for five seconds and then goes away. What they didn't realize or expect is that when the person pushes the button, the heart responded five seconds before the picture even came up on the wall. No way. Yeah. <laughs> so, if it was going to be a fear-based picture, the heart would elevate its heart rate to, to counteract the adrenaline. And if it was going to be a loving picture, the heart would just stay exactly the way it was. Wow. And so this communication center of your heart is an intuitive space, and it's helped guiding you in your life. Mm. The mind is a beautiful, beautiful tool. Right. And it only knows what you've already experienced. The heart knows what's coming forth. And again, out of that, out of the lovey-dovey part, we're talking about as an organ or a center of your being that's going to help guide you. Remember that when you were first came into existence, the first thing in, in, the, in the womb was the heart. Yeah. It created the heart first. And every part of your being was created through the heart. Your eyes, your nerves, your brain, your spine, your skin. Every part of who you are was created through the heart on a physical level. Yeah. So this is a place that we need to listen to how to get guidance from and how to walk through this space. And when you begin to team up the head and the heart and navigate life, you're going to walk on a much more balanced state of understanding about who you are, why you're here, and really stop looking for some external confirmations or external validations to really understand your being. And a lot of, you know, a lot of suffering comes from the fact that people aren't connected to their heart. Right. You know, yeah. and the further connection you are from that, we witness a lot more suffering happens. Yes. And so the closer we can get you to your heart and connected, and I'm so grateful for this medicine of ayahuasca because it helps people connect to their heart much more than they can just do on their own. Yeah. And it's not a necessity, but it's definitely an option. It's a tool. And, and ayahuasca isn't there to do the rest of your life. It's a very powerful transformational experience that you can come and do some work. And, and you'll know once you have a connection with it that when to come back. Yeah. And you might experience it once and come back 10 years later. You might come back the next month. Who right. knows? But you'll know your heart will call to you when it's time to come do that. And it's just in, it's time in this, this place of human consciousness on this planet to start tuning in to the full capacity of all the power centers in our being mm. and begin to operate from that space and allow the cl collaboration happening between the head and the heart yeah. and allowing you to operate from a really centered place. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of been it's been one of the biggest topics that John and I have discussed is how to how to get back into our hearts, mm -hmm. right? I was a thinker my entire life, right. dude. I was not using my mind as a tool. I was using it as everything. Right. And you know, I came to see you in ceremony once, you know, and I felt very called to come at that time. Now, we had met 1 year prior to that. You served me cambo 3 times. And your method is you will not serve ayahuasca until you've served someone cambo is that correct correct yeah and so i began to learn just my relationship with this vessel 
right? And kind of like, you know, strengthening the container, purifying the container, right? Because I had a lot of respect for ayahuasca, you know? And I, I know guys at work, right? The subject has come up. Ayahuasca is very trendy right now. And there's a lot of fear around it, you know, because I love, I love hearing the way that you describe the relationship with the medicine as far as connecting to your heart. Because I know that a lot of people, they probably believe um, in the, the fear that a psychedelic can cause, right? The hallucinations sometimes can get out of, out of hand, right? And my experience was so different than that. But I know I've talked to guys that, you know, would try it, but they're scared of what it's going to show them. <laughs> and I, I love that you've, you know, you, that. you know, you've talked about the relationship with grandmother because I felt very nurtured. I mean, you know, my entire ceremony was about me and my spirit baby, you know, and it was just a, it was an incredible opportunity to learn about me and my relationship with, you know, my future son. Mm. And I remember her asking me, is there anything else you want to know? And, you know, I was, I was lying on my mat and I, I had him in my arms and I could feel him. And I said, no, right now I just want to hold my baby. And it was, you know, really powerful. And I haven't been back to see you since, you mm. know, but I think when you're talking about being called to the medicine or called to anything, you know, you talked about your initial meeting with that woman being both confusing and also making sense, mm -hmm. right? And that's your intuition. Sometimes, right, we, we get these messages that are hard to ignore, but yours just kept coming up, kept coming up. And obviously, dude, I witnessed the man that you are. I know that you're super connected with your heart. And I, I imagine that these messages are easier to find easier to listen to easier to interpret you know and Trust. i've seen i've seen john's growth you know with trusting his heart right finding that love within you know for me to connect with my heart i know it was an integral part in me loving others you know i was guilty of taking shortcuts my entire <laughs> life why well, love myself when i can just you know meet a woman to love me hmm. and it wasn't until i started building that relationship with myself that I felt fully present to give and receive love with others. Hmm. See, one of the beauty, beautiful things about the the heart is, and, and in the teachings of ayahuasca was um, the five qualities of the heart that we had mentioned before, right? Yeah. And it's uh, just gratitude, openness, unconditional love, trust, and true respect slash humility, right? Hmm. And I mean, the, the concepts of these qualities of the heart they can navigate your life in so many different ways and the lessons that i have learned about myself in my life that have been uh, presented to me through this medicine through outside the medicine through my own consciousness i've been able to access that part of my being has have truly shown me beyond what i, I could ever understand and it, it became to this aspect of, of trusting but I started to step into the actual, like, absolute inner knowing of myself. And once I began to step into that, that space of myself, and after I rid myself of all my just limiting belief systems and constructs I put myself through, and just the years of just the suffering I have caused for myself and the pain, I was able to let it go through the assistance of this medicine, through the assistance of working with my own consciousness by accessing my heart space through these five qualities. And it began to shift my life in so many different ways. I mean, I remember in ayahuasca, I was just like, 
asking the medicine, hey, because you can speak to the medicine, and it, which is wonderful. You can have this relationship where you ask a question and you receive an answer. And so I asked this question, hey, uh, how, can, uh, or how can I understand how the universe was created? And the answer I got was, no, you need to understand how your mind works first. <laughs> and then she gave me about a three-hour um, lesson about true respect and true respect for myself and what that meant and what that meant about true respect for others. Mm. And it was a very profound experience where I just truly understood what that meant for me. And it was a marker in my life where I was able to step into my power of that aspect of that quality of myself and understand myself on a deeper level of what is true respect, you know, and it was just such a huge profound thing I had to uh, experience and it was important. And the medicine will meet you where you're at as well. And what's important too is like for me, I was working through some concussion stuff. So it actually began to rewire my nervous system and it actually began to rewire um, some of the scar tissue that I had in my head. And through bizarre healing methods that this medicine did, it was beyond my understanding, but it, it truly began to heal my body physically on top of it. Um, I mean, it, it would clear me out from the inside out and through my spirit and through my heart and through my being it just i don't know it completely transformed my life physically mentally emotionally and these multi-dimensional parts of myself uh i mean now i can show up to work and feel fully present and calm and collected with myself stepping into my power and really bring these qualities like true respect mm -hmm. like now when i when i see a patient um I give them that full true respect. I give them that, that stage. However they're going to react or, or it doesn't matter what, what the call entails, I give that to them. And before, I did not do that. And I, I, had, I was super afraid thinking that I was going to you know, lose sight of myself, lose sight of my career. That is not what happened. It actually be, helped me become a better firefighter, a better paramedic, a better leader through my own self, through uh, my integrity, it began to shift my life in so many different ways. And even outside of it, my life began to shift around me. My family began to change, seeing how I had changed. And it was such a beautiful quantum experience to see how if you do your own inner work, if you continue to stick to your own self and just tend to your own um, this baggage and work on yourself, it can make a ripple effect that is so essential. Um, it's, it's really beautiful. And, uh, I mean, it's just crazy. It blows my mind every single time, dude. And Wolf just, me and him have this relationship now where we just kind of look each other in the eye and just laugh because it's just, it's all you can do. And it's just like the beauty of this universe is about the joy in it, you know, and, and the unknown. And a lot of people fear that. Absolutely. Which dude. is not good. You know, it's, it's it's supposed to be joyful to step into the unknown and be adventurous. Yeah, and evolve. Right. Well said, dude. I mean, you know me. I was a control freak for a long time, dude. And right. I realized that that's not living. Right. You know what I mean? And I see it. I see it every day. Guys are trying to, you know, buy the home and have the kids and right. have the happy wife. And, okay, everything stay exactly like this. Right. You know? And obviously, we've witnessed a lot of change in our department. We've sure. witnessed a lot of change in the healthcare system yeah. and change within ourselves. And you have to welcome that. And welcoming it with a smile 
you know, connecting right. to your heart and seeing the love all around us. I mean, mm. well, if you talk about all the different religions on that woman's wall, I mean, what is the goal? The goal is to, to know God, right? To feel God, to feel love. Yeah, and actually have a true experience with it, yeah. you know, rather than feeling from a third person point of view. And that understanding as far as that person's connection or that person's interpretation of yeah. what that word means. Some people hear that word and they cringe. Like they don't have a clear understanding and they think it's still some being up in a cloud with a bunch of judgment and like telling you what you did or didn't do right. And it's not how it works. You know, it's a, it's an energy and it's energy that's, it's, it's software, this energy of what you might call spirit or God is unconditional love. Yes. And not so much in the, again, the hippie to be alone, you know, I'm happy to be, but the point <laughs> is like, like I want to hug you, man. It's the unconditional love of, of energy always giving back to itself selflessly. Yeah. And so understanding how it returns back to itself and understanding how the flow of that works is accessible in the ayahuasca. And um, I just want to reel it back in for a moment to a conversation you and I had earlier today. And you were talking about as a first responder, you know, you you have your uniform on and there's all this, 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 um, a layer of, 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 of pride and protect, not protection, but of, of like, you know, you're doing a duty, you're serving, you're, you're serving humanity yeah. and, and, and you, you have to sometimes limit your feelings because Absolutely. you're going to walk into such a different scope of experiences from A to Z yeah. um, that you can't really tune into that. And you've got to be able to walk in and handle what you need to handle without feeling. And um, so I just want to give people on, on, you know, they're listening to this podcast, understanding more about the heart. And when I say heart, I don't mean the action of like being loving and kind. That's all great and all. I'm talking about in every moment of your life, in any kind of choice or direction, there's a physical, a mental, and an emotional, energetic response happening in your chest that's giving you some guidance about to make the next choice, about where to go, what to do. Call it that intuition, call it the heart's talk, call it that, you know, you feel it in your gut, whatever it is. My point is there's a communication happening there. So mm-hmm. outside of people think themselves they're, they're putting on a shield so much to help others and they're having trouble connecting to the heart space as far as being kind or being loving. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this intuitive communication that's happening all the time and beginning to listen to it. Yeah. And so know that that's always happening. And the more you can tune into that, you know, and you'll feel it, you, you, whether you feel it or hear it or receive it or... Um, however it comes through. And so when we talk about connecting your heart, this is what we're talking about. Right. Um, outside of all their benefits as far as the kindness and loving and all that kind of good stuff. The point is there's, 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 there's a directive and a support and direction happening every moment and it's coming through your chest. Yeah. And it's important for you to, to learn how to turn the dial, like the old radio stations where you had to like turn the dial to find, yeah. it wasn't digital yet. Right. You know, you had to turn the knob to find the right, <laughs> yeah. the right frequency. Um, you got to find what knob to turn to begin to tune into that guidance. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about here um, on top of everything else. But right. just wanted to bring that back to people understanding this isn't about you just, you know, trying to be nice when you're out there taking on the world. Right. You know, about just learning how this place can, can guide you even when you're working with a patient or a friend or a client or a lover or your partner. Like there can be some information that can help you to walk in those experiences or conversations that um, help navigate it better mm-hmm. compared to just coming from the headspace. Absolutely. Dude. I mean, kindness. So in my meeting with grandmother, I asked her, how do I show up for Leah in mm-hmm. this pregnancy? And she said, with kindness and laughter. <laughs> and so 
you know, I hear what you're talking about as far as connecting to the heart. Now, both of those principles come up for me all the time at work. I think about kindness and laughter. And the beautiful part is it's a, it's less of a focus and more of a side effect where if I can just listen to what feels good, then kindness is there and laughter is there. And the day just feels like it's going so smoothly. Mm. I feel like I'm not getting in my own way. And that was a big pattern for me was self-sabotage, right? Because my mind would get in the way of me connecting to that inner voice coming through my heart. Hmm. And dude, when you talk about 10 years of therapy in one night, I mean, that sounds intense, you know? And so I love how John said, the medicine meets you where you're at. Obviously, at that time in my life, and I still think that I'm there, my primary focus is preparing to be a father. And the beautiful part about my ceremony was that... It was such a, a, a simple dialogue that I was having, right? She offered me more. And I said, I'm, I'm okay with what you've taught me already. You know, and the, the, the biggest thing for me and how it influenced my life dramatically was I was told that this spirit baby is tethered to me. You know, and up until that point, I felt like, you know, I was supporting Leah in every pregnancy. But um, I, I never knew that I had an even deeper connection than just creating a life with my, you know, with my fiance. I didn't know that this was my destiny to become a father. And when you talk about leaving a ceremony and integrating what you've learned, I mean, dude, I was walking down the street in the morning with a new posture. You know what I'm saying? For mm -hmm. you to learn that it's your destiny to, to welcome a son into your life. I mean, how do you think that that, you know, plays into every single choice that I make. You know, I started wearing a St. Joseph pendant around my neck, you know, yeah. like it's just a constant reminder, you know, and mm. it's like 10 years of therapy in one night. That sounds intense, you know, but the, the message that you receive, right. And I, and that's what I want to offer in today's podcast is just less fear around a medicine that connects you with yourself, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't learn, you know, I, I had a little bit of fear. I thought, you know what I was going to be told? Quit your job. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, right. dude, I didn't have any kind of second career lined up, man. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, fuck, now what? You know? Yeah. And, and you really blow me away because you have been told to shift careers. Mm -hmm. And you just took that leap of faith. Mm -hmm. And those guides appeared around every corner mm -hmm. to help you, right? And so um, I'm grateful that I wasn't told <laughs> to quit my job because I'm not ready for that. I'm, I'm grateful that I was told to enter my job with a new perspective, hmm, with right. kindness and laughter. And it's served me very well ever since. Dude, I That's love funny. how you, so you brought up the word hippy-dippy. That, <laughs> that word is, is thrown around in the fire department often. Oh, really? Because uh, if, so it's a, this is a funny story. So, I had an engineer one time and it was, we were just getting our teeth kicked in by just running so many calls and he looks up at the sky. There's a beautiful sunset and he like is talking on in, in the kind of like this podcast, we put headphones on and we, we talk to each other all the time. And he's like, Hey, not to be hippy dippy, but look at this beautiful sunset. <laughs> and I was like, for, for me, I mean, I love, I mean, I love sunsets. You Who know doesn't? What I mean? Go to Costa Rica and see a sunset. Come on, baby. Dude, That's tears awesome. in my eyes. But when he said that, I was like, just thinking like, okay, this guy is, he's 
reiterating that it's almost shameful to uh, acknowledge beauty in a way. And that, that word hippy-dippy is thrown around and it's in a kind of a negative context. Even like when you're talking about like trying to rid yourself of harsh chemicals, right? That's hippy-dippy. Yeah. This is not hmm. hippy-dippy. So why would I would want to really shift that and replace that with consciousness? Because that's what this is. This is what we're doing on this podcast. We're shifting the consciousness from these old paradigms, these old bad habits to these rigid constructs and barriers we're creating. And we do that to ourselves with our own hearts. And it's limiting our perspective and our lifestyle of what we're doing. So I just really want to reiterate the shift in consciousness that we're doing at this time. And this is going to segue into the shift in consciousness that's going on in this planet. Now, this concept, Wolf had presented it to me a long time ago when I first met him, and it blew my mind. I was like, okay, I'm I'm very open to hear everyone's perspective. I don't um, create rigidity around things. I'm always, I always use this concept, I will eat the meat and spit out the bones. And so through this concept that the, the, the shift in consciousness that's occurring on this planet is happening at this time, whether we like it or not, and we have to shift with it. So anyways, Wolf, I would really love for you to kind of give some feedback on that concept. And, and sorry for all those who are listening, just be open to uh, hear about you know this idea that um, the planet is a conscious being she has a consciousness. We call her Pachamama, Mama Gaia. This is this is the name that the indigenous peoples of this planet have given to her for thousands of years. And through the desecration that we've caused it for many lifetimes, she's had enough of it. And I just really want for those listeners to understand, like, this is a very beautiful thing to honor this planet, to honor a medicine like ayahuasca, because it's been used for such a long period of time and these old traditions that have been lost, they're being, they're coming back to the surface now because there has to be a change and there has to be a change within humanity. And, um, yeah, so I just wanted to kind of segue into that to lead into kind of a your perspective on, on how that's working at this time. Great segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, we are, shifting a dimensional field and in that understanding think about it comparing to um, being in school and you know you're going to third to fourth fifth sixth seventh eighth ninth grade and it's similar to that mm -hmm. and <clears throat> we were in the third dimension for a very long time and the human species was born to third dimension okay um, that's why you go to a 3d movie and it makes sense it's a third dimensional presentation Okay, and that whole Mayan calendar 2012 thing that we've heard about, the world's going to end, was about completing the third dimensional setting. And the thing is, is that we as a species has never gone through a dimensional shift. And there are other places in the cosmos, no matter what you believe, that live in a higher dimensional realm. Because they've gone through these places. They may be in the fifth dimension, sixth dimension, seventh dimension. They're fixed, fixed grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, when we're in third grade. Just put it in that kind of context. And it's about the evolution of consciousness and about your soul evolving it to its, to its, to its godlike self, if you want to call it that. And just to give you background, like the Buddha, the Bodhisattva, like he taught third dimension awareness. 
he taught that everything's marvelous connected out this one energy. And his teachings were much more deeper than that. But in a gist of a one line or one sentence, he taught that we, there's this one energy that we are all connected to. All living things, all living beings here. Then you have somebody like Jesus the Christ come. And that's not his last name. He's talking about, his name was Yeshua ben Joseph, or Kaolim Jesus is for another name, but he carried the Christ consciousness. And that's the fourth dimensional awareness. And that's the heart space. And we're moving into from the third dimension to the fourth dimensional setting. And again, they both were teachers. Either one wanted to be religion. They both were teachers of consciousness. And Jesus came after Buddha because he taught fourth dimensional awareness. Many came between them. And it's a constant evolutionary teaching that's, that's constantly evolving. It's a constant evolutionary process. And we're now coming into that fourth dimensional awareness that Christ consciousness is coming on the planet. And those teachings that he offered, we're understanding that now they understand everything we're connected off one energy. This energy runs on a software of unconditional love. It's energy always giving back to itself. It's not the action of love. It's an energy that's always giving back to itself. Our planet calls it unconditional love. Other planets might call it something different. Mm. But the point is it's an energy that's always giving back to itself selflessly. You know, and so for many of you first responders and, and just anyone who, who is in service to the planet, like you feel called, you feel like you're in purpose when you're being in service. Yeah. And so why? Because that's the natural state of the energy that makes who we are. That's the natural state of the godlike frequency or energy within our within our being. And so that's why almost anyone who does anything in this world that evolves themselves or goes through growth finds out that their purpose has to do in some kind of service or to give. And that's what we're taught as children, like yeah. to go give and to go help, be supportive, help your help help your your brother person or sister person, you know, in any way, shape, or form. And so, because that's how the energy works. Yeah. And so, I mean, we could talk about this topic for days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> but yeah. But in a, in a gist, is is that we're going through that shift, and so it's the first time that human consciousness has gone through a dimensional shift. So it's the first one. We're the baby of the cosmos, and so that's why you hear about these other spirit guides or ascended masters, other parts of the cosmos that are coming to support this planet because we're the baby of the cosmos. And us going through the third, third to fourth dimension is like a child going through from crawling on all fours to walk taking its first step. And if the child's in the living room crawling on the floor and they take their first step, their entire perception changes. Nothing in the room changed. Mm. They were on all fours looking at the carpet and the figures, the four legs of the, of the coffee table. And now they're walking where they can touch the glass and the books and the bookshelf and things they, had ac they have access to now they didn't even know were there. But nothing in the room changed. Well, if you're a master at <laughs> metaphors, dude, <laughs> yeah. perfect, amazing story. <laughs> like, and so we're being supported now to take our first step, and you know we're being supported by these medicines of say like cambo, iboga, ayahuasca, these major, major, major plant medicines that are on this planet that are that are master teachers, and they're helping us through this transition. And they're preparing our system energetically, mentally, emotionally, physically to receive this new level of consciousness, this new way of being, and new understanding. The beautiful part about it is the fact that this is going to happen in our lifetime. Mm. It's the human. It's the Super Bowl of human consciousness. Yeah. And the beings that are on the planet right now, meaning anyone that's actually hearing this right now on this podcast, you are here because you're here to help this process. 
And there are many souls who want to be here for a transition, and they weren't allowed to be because they weren't evolved enough. And the ones that are here are here because they know how to do this. I was using an analogy like Tom Brady, like Tom Brady, the quarterback, right? Doesn't win every game, but he knows how to win the big game. Mm. This is the Super Bowl human consciousness happening on this planet right now. And so these medicines are not always going to be dependent upon. Ayahuasca is not something you do every Saturday night. It's nothing like that at all. It's a life-changing shift for your being that steps you into the next chapter of yourself. And down to the medical side of it, like with you, John, like what you've received from recalibration from a neuron level. You know, my partner, she heard about ayahuasca in high school. And she heard that there's this tea that you can drink that if you have any kind of trauma, like if say you got attacked by a dog when you were a child, and now in your mind, dog equals fear or dog equals injury. Pain, yeah. um, ayahuasca can actually restructure that yeah. entire thought process. And because it connects you more to a higher understanding of your being and allows yeah. your entire system energetically, mentally, emotionally, physically to recalibrate to that understanding on every single level from energetic to physical. And it's proven. I mean, there's so many different things that people have done, you know, all around the world um, with ayahuasca and yeah. mapped it in the brain and seeing how it operates and seeing what, what neurons turn on, what parts of the brain you know, activate that aren't normally activated. And it's much more about the brain because it's all about the heart, but recalibrating things in there, you know, in your system. Yeah. You talked about Terrence McKenna, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so his brother, Dennis McKenna, because Terrence is uh, is not here with us anymore. Rest right. in peace, RIP, baby. <laughs> but Dennis McKenna is, uh, he's a, I don't, I don't know what type of scientist he is. I think he's a neuroscientist. And he uh, went on this long journey where but he did ayahuasca, I don't know, over a thousand times. Mm -hmm. And he had taken um, a bunch of neuroscientists to study what ayahuasca does to the brain and to see how it completely restructures different parts of the brain that's not even accessed to where it's proven that it's, it's building different neuron, neural pathways that are completely rewiring the structure of the brain to enhance the superhuman, superhuman capabilities and I mean, he goes into like the details. Uh, there's like a podcast he does, I think with Joe Rogan. And he talks about the details of like the chemicals down to the wire mm -hmm. of what ayahuasca carries. That just, it just blows my mind that, you know, this, this gentleman, he basically had offered and dedicated, I don't know, however many decades to this work to prove something about why this is important for humanity. And it, because us as humans, we always want to see proof, right? The proof is in the pudding. We want to see it. So show it to me. Okay. A lot of people want to use the logical mind to see, okay, that's, that works there. Okay. That's cool. I want to see like the data here. And he, the data is proven that ayahuasca is going to benefit you no matter what. And to the point where it's going to rewire some parts of your brain. I mean, for me, I experienced it completely where with combining cambo which rewired my nervous my nervous system and my neurostructure and uh and ayahuasca together they enhanced my capability to get past tbi past anxiety depression all the adverse symptoms i was having and i was able to get past it and i don't know what i would have done had i not been had i not had met you and assisted me through this process and to be honest i even i didn't even know what ayahuasca was until I met you. Hmm. And um, I was in such a dark place of myself. I was just like, I don't even care. Let's just do it. And um, 
you know, even with the Campbell, I was like, I was so lost and I didn't know what to do. And I just, I, did, I didn't care. I was like, I want to kill myself. So I don't, whatever, let's just do it. And I, it, like I said before in the introduction, I mean, it saved my life. Mm-hmm. And it's just wild. It blows my mind every single time how, you know, this beautiful medicine has been able to heal me inside and out and bring me this just vast understanding to, into the knowing of myself to move forward within myself as a, as a better human, better lover, a better uh, son and a family member and a firefighter, a paramedic and all this stuff. So yeah, I don't know. What other uh, topics can we revolve around ayahuasca? What's well, next? <laughs> I, I got a couple questions, but yeah, I love that you talked about the bravery that is birthed in a rock bottom state, right? Right. You're willing to try anything. So what I love, John, is that you and I have talked pretty extensively about suicide, right. you know, because we both had that ideation throughout our lives at times, right? right? And when we're talking about a medicine that connects you with your heart, mm-hmm. okay, and it's a more clear guidance system, yeah. it allows you to be more intuitive, less fear-based, mm-hmm. right? Prior to this medicine opening up that relationship you have now with your heart, I mean, do you still see suicide as an option? No. No, right? Because before, before you were in tune with this guidance, you didn't know which way to turn. And now, after being connected to your heart, it's just not even an option, right? right. You're, there's no possible guidance that would say, you know what, John? Your destiny is to end this right now. Well, first of all, I had to look at it. And the beautiful, the beautiful thing about ayahuasca is this is not cosmetic. This is something that goes into the problem and pulls it out by the root. So what happens is the medicine will present something to you that may be a subconscious fear or something you're carrying, and it will show you something you may not like, right? like suicide. And I think for me, I had this innate fear with suicide because of when I'd be at work and I'd, I'd deal with suicide calls, those are the most um, traumatic calls for me to see. Same. I don't like them. Yeah, they're creepy. They're really dark, yeah. and I, I just don't like them. And I can't sleep after those ones. Mm. I've, I've gone on some pretty gnarly ones, and I, I don't, I think that was something that was sitting in my subconscious. It was a fear of mine. And I was forced to look at it through this medicine. And what happened was, as, as I, instead of resisting, I allowed myself to step into it and see what it was teaching me. And it wasn't even from a neutral perspective. It was straight face on. Straight with the fear to understand that it was an illusion. Mm. And to understand that it wasn't my truth. And I would walk myself through this process of understanding of what my truth is. And after I was done with that, I had this um, this purge. And we'll talk about the purge <laughs> in ayahuasca and what that means. Because many people fear, oh, I'm going to throw up in ayahuasca. It's not like that. It is a beautiful purge of releasing something that no longer serves you. And when I was able to step into what suicide was, the understanding of it, the acceptance of it, and what it didn't serve when it didn't serve me anymore, I was able to release it from my body, and I left it there in my bucket, and now it's gone. It's not inside me anymore. I felt this visceral release of of letting go, of acceptance, and the power behind all that what led me to my truth. Mm. So yeah, you surrendered 
to the trust. Right. You know, because for a long time, surrender, we've talked about this. First responders don't know that word to be positive, right? It, it's right. synonymous with giving up. Or for me, surrender kind of means like, uh, okay, I'm going to get taken advantage of. But there have mm-hmm. been times in the last two years where I had to surrender to trust or faith, right? I had to get out of my head and get into my heart and surrender to whatever guidance was going to come in. And I had to right. trust that that guidance was going to be for my best good. Right. So it's been wonderful to witness this shift in you. Thanks, man. Yeah, because Wolf, and you can probably attest to this, just seeing the surrender, you know, because you, mm. you had to serve me an enormous dose of hoppe <laughs> <laughs> to assist in my own surrender mm-hmm. for, for that ceremony. Mm-hmm. And so do you feel like you, you do witness people that come in that are, that are blocked, that maybe aren't we- ready to receive the medicine? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and some know it, some don't. Yeah. You know, um, or they recognize there's a block there and they don't know how to really navigate around it. Mm. And at some point in time, the, the medicine will help you, but it will also, if you're going to be stubborn with it, then yeah. it's going to give it to you, meaning it's going to show you that. It's going to let you really be in it. Yeah. And if, it's, if it has to do anything from self-worth, to judgment, to blame and shame, to whatever she'll take you to the extreme of it in in a beautiful way, but in a way of like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to fix this for you. It's a, it's a, it's a co-creation relationship with the medicine. Mm. And so you have to show up for it as well. And you relate with it and you relate to it about yourself. And so it supports you in that process and it helps guide you into that, but you have to be willing to be able to go there and, not not everyone will come in the room and do that work, right? You know, um, but we continue holding space for them, and and until they want to come back or, or do it, and and you know, a big part of the the work with ayahuasca is not just coming and drinking the medicine; it's how do you integrate that experience afterwards? Absolutely, and that's half the work. Yeah, and so we provide, you know, it's all part of the, the support afterwards you know we do post calls two weeks four weeks post the ceremonies to help individuals integrate that experience or get clarity around the understanding of like what they were seeing or what they were shown or what they were taught and how to integrate that in your system energetically mentally emotionally physically yeah sometimes somebody might go through a ceremony that's not able to fully surrender and realize two weeks after that actually that was the lesson for them. Right. And she's always teaching and she's always going to give you exactly what you need. But if you enter the ceremony with expectations, yeah. then she's going to do the opposite yeah. intentionally. <laughs> and so it's, it's, but it's understanding. And we, we do different techniques in the ceremonies to help people get into surrender. Mm. Um, what means breath work. And we talk about surrender as well. Surrender doesn't mean the white flag. Yeah. Surrender means being able just to, you know, on, on some beautiful way, like let go and trust, as you yeah. talked about. And we're not letting, going of any, not letting go of anything. We're just allowing ourselves just to relax and receive, you yeah. know, and especially in, in, the, in the, the group of first responders, like you're always giving, you know. And yeah. so if you truly love to give, the only way to amplify your giving is to amplify your receiving. And so coming into a ceremony like this or working with with the depth of a soul medicine like ayahuasca for the heart, allowing yourself to receive, you know, can be sometimes the biggest challenge Yeah, for, for people who are in, in, in such depth of service. 
in the way they express themselves on this planet, whether it be in their profession or just life in general. Mm-hmm. And um, getting them to be able to receive, you know, is, is, is like sometimes can be a, a speed bump. Yeah. Um, but we have techniques we help with them, you know, with breath work. And, um, you know, this path has included me to living in a Buddhist monastery, to, to an ashram, and with different native tribes. And so what's beautiful is that a lot of these traditions have unique traditions to their belief system. But once I got to witness them for many years, I noticed that these traditions were doing the exact same thing, but they look different yeah. based, on the, based on the setting they're in. And so we bring some of those traditions into ceremony, whether it be a level of, of a different lineages of, of Zen meditation that, that I've studied or um, different breath work from yoga lineage, you know, or different things. Um, drumming, you know, these are all different traditions that come in to help people in this process. Um, with this medicine to really connect yeah. and have that, have that surrender. I imagine, you know, I've heard you say something in ceremony that was, we're human beings, not human doers. Because yeah. <laughs> so much of yeah. us, especially first responders, <laughs> like John said, I mean, a lot of our work is outcome-based. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to push this drug and I'm going to see this result. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's important to remember that when you come into a ceremony, right, you have an intention you have, you know, you're showing up with all of yourself and ready to have mm. the medicine meet to where you're at. But I, you know, I had, I thought my ceremony was going to go one way and it went a completely different way. And, you know, I had, I had been served Cambo, I think maybe like six times at the time of my first ayahuasca ceremony. So I understood the beauty and the surrender, right? I had, I had hit depths that were only allowed based on me letting go. Mm. Um, and so I didn't come in with any expectations, but you know, it's a great rule for just living in general, you know, like when I, when I go into work, right. And I'm expecting things to go a certain way and they start going, you know, the opposite way. And I'm resisting that dude, it's such a long shift, right. you know? And I want to mention, dude, you are so good at what you do. I mean, as far as like, you know, John and I love Costa Rica. I'm sure people have heard of ayahuasca retreats where there's like a hundred people there. Right. I think I sat in ceremony with 10 other people, mm-hmm. you know, and you hold such a, a, a powerful space. You know, I've always felt like I could trust you. And I, that's a, that's really important. Right. I wouldn't surrender to being vulnerable in a friendship with John unless I knew I could trust him. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm not going to surrender to, you know, having a out of body experience with grandmother unless I'm in a room with someone like you that is holding space that can that I can trust. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So not all ayahuasca ceremonies are the same. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, I think it's a high responsibility to hold that space, and I mean, I've experienced it for myself as a Campbell practitioner. In order for me to hold that space, I felt the responsibility come forth within me, and I had to step into that role as um, a, at a level of integrity that I, I held, in order to be able to let someone surrender and get into that space of vulnerability and it really is an honor for me to do that and and when i started to see that i started to see myself through your eyes and how you're able to see people's they would completely shift right in front of you you know and and they'd walk out like a different person and the power behind that is so beautiful there's nothing else like it Hmm. and i mean it's it's a great i mean gift to have to be able to hold that and i think when you're holding that responsibility it's it's to a high regard and i know you hold yourself to a high level of integrity without a doubt and that's why it's important when i need 
to hear advice and I need, and I need to go with you, I check in with myself first to make sure I've done my own work mm-hmm. and I approach you with a question or a, a circumstance. And every single time, man, you really uh, guide me in the right direction to where you allow me to answer my question myself, which yeah. is uh, what I had mentioned before, because we are all guiding each other and we have to find our own answers. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to heal you. You have to do your own healing. And that word is so far in between because it's not about healing. It's about acceptance. It's about finding the balance between this this strange you know, world we live in. But it's not strange. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And if you shift your perspective, it, it really shifts your life and the way you approach it. And for me, like, I think surrender, it was non-resistance. That's what showed me the beauty of it. As, as, I, as long as I stopped resisting, things began to manifest in my life that I had no idea would exist. Same. And that was the, uh, the most important aspect of you know, these simple lessons that became um, cornerstones in my quality of living. And I mean, it, it, it doesn't just coincide with my, my life at home. It coincides with my life as a professional firefighter paramedic mm-hmm. for the department I work for. And it shows in uh, my leadership skills as I, as I progress, as I teach uh, the, the probationary members, the rookies that we work with, and teaching them simple skills like, hey man, trust yourself. I'm, I'm not happy the way you're approaching this, this situation because you're not trusting yourself. You need to find the power of trust within you. And every single rookie is like, I always instill that, that cornerstone of that, of that, that law mm. of trust. And mm, these great. simple skills are just so valuable. And even to the point where I go in, onto patients at work, I, I stopped um, doing things on a chronological order where I'm just going to do my, my checking the boxes. I start shifting perspectives for people and asking them, hey, like, you know, do you journal? You know, do you, uh, do you check in with yourself every day? Like you need to ask these simple questions that are really important. And I, I stir these, uh, concepts for people. They have no idea. <laughs> they never would in their, in their, in their lifetime would it come across someone that would have, you know, uh, ask themselves these simple questions that can really alter and change your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and just through the power of just shifting things by simple, simple lessons, that have been taught through um, my conscious intent and also through the assistance of this medicine. I mean, it's, it's blowing, it's blowing me away. And I think the, the point of this is that, like I mentioned before, we're shifting the consciousness here mm-hmm. of, the, of this, uh, this field of work within humanity and the way we look at things and pr- perspective of it all. And um, yeah, without a doubt, man, I mean, it's just a wild ride. <laughs> yeah and you gotta be, sure. you gotta be patient you know mm-hmm. like you've inspired me to practice patience because mm-hmm. i know as i've you know enjoyed getting healthier off duty you know it can be slightly frustrating to go on different patients you know for what they call 9114 or hmm. instructed john's you know instructing someone how to journal or you know right. just dude, sometimes we have to instruct people on how to take tylenol for a fever you know and so there can be like it feels like this enormous gap between like some of the work that I'm doing off duty and some of the work that I do on duty. But, you know, like I said, you've never ignored a phone call. You mm. know what I'm saying? You live it. So you're here to teach. And I know you meet people that are at different places in their life. You know, people come into you and, and, and sit with you in ceremony for all different sorts of reasons, mm. you know, and you, you continue to show up for them. So, dude, one of the biggest things for you know, that I'm feeling right now, having you in this room is just honoring mentors, 
You know what I'm saying? I've said this before, dude. I'm not an expert on mental health. I've had to work with different, you know, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, different experts, guys with more time on than me, you know, that have seen the ups and downs of this career because it's always changing, Mm -hmm. you know, and just to be in the presence of someone who can provide support and get you to start trusting yourself Mm -hmm. is such an incredible relationship to find. Well put. Yeah. It's an honor. You mentioned a boga. That's one that I've heard just a little bit about. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of scares me. I'm not going to lie, you know, because before I practiced intention, you know, there was a couple of psilocybin journeys that kicked my ass. And I I see them now for what they they were. They were trying to show me something, but I wasn't ready to see it. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of it was like my work with my ego. And it was showing me just how quickly my ego can turn from ally to enemy. And, um, you know, I always saw the psilocybin as being a, just a bit more masculine, just in the way that it introduces new topics. And for me, right, I've done ketamine therapy and I've done ayahuasca once. And, you know, for me, that's been a, a much more nurturing, gentle experience. But mm-hmm. I have heard, and maybe I'm wrong, but I've heard aboga is, is pretty masculine in the sense of like, instead of grandmother holding you, it might be like grandfather, like slapping you across the face a few times. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In different contexts, for sure. Yeah. You know, again, for for the listeners out there to understand is that um, there's a difference. There's there's the category of psychedelics, which a lot of things fall into. There's also a category of entheogens. Entheogen on, on the basic term is basically a spiritual medicine. I mean, the fact that it has a consciousness to it and it's so much more beyond just a vision, right? There's something deeper happening. And so um, there's a book I'm reading right now, and, and it's talked about Cambo, Ayahuasca, Iboga, the synergy of entheogens. And these medicines relate to each other, and they help and support each other. Now, if you put it into the classifications of, of those categories, I would have to tell you that the two most potent medicines we found that are on this planet at this moment that are acknowledged at least or known of is ayahuasca and aboga mm. and um you know aboga can be both male and female but it's probably more referenced as you know the grandfather reference to grandmother got to remember at some point in time like south you know iboga comes from africa and uh, mostly known in gabon and, and it's from the Buiti tr- tradition and it's not a religion it's more like a, a practice and understanding and but it's really made its way around addiction and recovery, um, extreme addiction. Gotcha. Where um, people probably heard of ibogaine yeah. or, or ibogaine clinics that are outside in other other parts of the world. And, and is ibogaine and iboga the same thing? Yeah, it's it's HCL version of the iboga. It's just a, a hydrochloric version, and so. Either way, is that this medicine is it's a little longer in time frame. Um, yeah, you're looking at how long? <laughs> about double. I wow. mean, ayahuasca is look. You're looking at you know eight to twelve hour experience with ayahuasca. You're looking at more twelve or twenty four or thirty six. Yeah. Um, based on how you dose um, the medicine, and you know, just to give you kind of a reference point, rather than putting it into a male and female category, uh, ayahuasca is more of a heart medicine Mm. and it's connecting you to your heart healing your heart or clearing things out or limited belief systems or trapped emotions that are you're holding you know 
we are multidimensional beings. I mean, the fact that we have a physical body, emotional body, energetic body, and mental body, and they all relate to each other. Sometimes the physical ailment can show up because you have a trapped emotion. Mm. Sometimes the physical ailment can show up because you have a limited belief system in your mental body. And they all relate. And so ayahuasca works on that center place of your heart, of your origin of being, and helps clear that. Iboga is more of a conscious clear. So there's many testimonies with this medicine where, you know, their experience was every single thought they've had in their entire life is clearing out of there. Wow. And it's flying by them. And it's much more of a, of a like I said, a longer experience um, in the medicine. So you are deep in it. And um, again, to come back to the addiction part, you know, it's said that people who've had, say, 20-year addiction to heroin or opiates will go do a bogo once and never do it again. Wow. Because it's, in, in you know, in a, in a fun analogy, it's like, yeah, you go and it might appear as a masculine grandfather that grabs you by the collar and has a little tough talking to you right and tells you about your life and shows you like not in a way of again blame or shame but shows you like the potency and power of your being and what you're not accessing and what you're not honoring or acknowledging mm. and you get to acknowledge it and then coming back to again very similar properties as ayahuasca completely different as far as the active ingredient is that it has the ability to recalibrate your opiate receptors so many people who've testified who've used it for addiction will come out, even people who've tried to go use again can't. Wow. They go and they use, nothing happens. Oh, because shit. their opiate receptors have been reprogrammed, have been <laughs> completely recalibrated, restructured, and they're surpassed the time of actually even be able to get high. Not saying you don't want to test it, but most of the time you're not having that kind of desire anyways because you're, you're, like as I mentioned, your perceptors have been reprogrammed, recalibrated, so there's no more craving. Yeah. And a lot of times people have stepped out of addiction and gone right into a boga or ibogaine and it helps them surpass the withdrawals. Gotcha. Because they're, it's an intense experience. But instead of having seven days of the right. withdrawals, they'd rather go into a... 24, 36 hour Ibogue experience rather than having seven days of withdrawals. Oh yeah, I choose and, that. And it's still intense and challenging for them, you right. know, and it is taken very seriously at these clinics with Ibogaine, you know, they're doing EKGs, they're doing tests, you know, they're doing more on a clinical level mm. um, to make sure that somebody's even just in the ability to go into that depth of work, right. you know, with that medicine and they're healthy enough to have that. And, but that's where it's really made its name for itself. There's a whole other side to it. Mm. And there's another side to instead of using the medicine or receiving the medicine to bring you out of the hole to neutrality, yeah. you can use it to advance your consciousness and you can use it to take it to the next level of understanding of your being. And if you're coming in from a place of you're not looking to recalibrate an addiction or recalibrate your system, you can access this incredible wisdom of these plant medicines to step into your, I mean, John referenced it earlier, a little bit of your your superhuman part of your being, right. you know, and um, and understand like, and I don't mean from a place of superhero or kind of like a Marvel reference. I'm talking about really understanding like how incredible and how gifted and powerful we really are, yeah, you know. And there's a theory out there about there's 12 strands of our DNA that haven't been turned on yet. And through these medicines, you're able to turn some of those strands of the DNA on. Mm. And, you know, give you one example. And, and 
you know, for those, well, I'll give you examples as far as like Jesus the Christ. Like Jesus the Christ, you know, no matter what your interpretation of that story is or that person, like either way, he activated his full potential as far as a soul having a human experience. And it was a, an expression of showing us the potential of how we actually are in a human form. Yeah. He wasn't here to be um, the anomaly. Right. He was here to show you actually the, the, the power that we can access within our being and all these great stories and things like that or they're written about his ability. Um, you know, and, it's, and, and it goes beyond just that one person. Yeah, you know, and we have, and we're in a stage of conscious shift on this planet where we can begin to access things we've never had available before because we weren't ready to understand the power of who we are and how we can actually operate and and walk on this planet and feel completely centered and safe no matter what moment you walk into and begin to navigate this planet as as a beautiful playground in a beautiful way. I mean, this you know. All of life is created for you, mm-hmm. and, and I don't mean you're the pinnacle of the species. We're we're a part of the of the living organism of the planet, but our air, our water, our food, mm-hmm. our nutrients, our medicines, everything's provided for us yeah. to have this beautiful experience called life. And so, the more you can get into your heart-centered being and begin to clear some of that consciousness of belief systems or limited patterns of behavior or or trapped emotions that or experiences you've had as a child or or growing up that have limited your way of how you see the world, you can really step into your true power and really feel an activation of your being and operate from this place where there's nothing external at all are going to rock your internal being. And you can walk in this place of confidence and security and humility. Yeah. And just be you. <laughs> Dude, I, wa- I wanted to bring up, up to, because uh, I, I had mentioned to you uh, that there's a, uh, there's a podcast called No Fallen Heroes, and mm-hmm. it's actually a program ran by this uh, fighter pilot who's a veteran who uh, has severe PTSD. And so what he does is he sends all these vets to go do Iboga and Ayahuasca and all these different places. And these, these people have been, they're, they're tired of being sick. Uh, these vets were, were going to the VA and they were getting prescribed Valium and Percocets. And they they're on opioids and they're getting addicted to them because they're t- they were stuck in it this you know this virus that they had occurred through PTSD in, in the mind and they couldn't get rid of it and so they covered it up with a bandaid of pharmaceuticals and this this gentleman he um, is really shifting the consciousness with these veterans and he's assisting them by having people donate to this uh, program to where he sends these people who are hurting ten years twenty years of addiction. And they do the they do boga, and they completely rewires their brain. They come back; they're not addicted anymore. They're they're living a full life that is able um, to re just recenter the self and find balance once again, and and be a, a family member once again without being fogged up by pharmaceuticals. And this is what we're talking about here: is is like the people that are serving our country, that are serving the sick people, that are going to fires, that are. You know, going to um, I don't know whatever police officers do, write tickets. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. But in essence, like we're we're here, we're on the forefront to help people, and we need to be assisted at this time to be in, in full alignment to help others because we are in service to others, like Wolf said. And I I take great honor in myself when I wake up in the morning, 
and I kiss my girlfriend goodbye, I may never come home again. That's a sacrifice I'm willing to take. And I fully trust myself in this service to others to know that I'm willing to put myself out there to serve people. And when I'm able to do that with full confidence, confidence in myself and power of who I am and um, rid myself of all the, the shame, the, uh, the guilt, the uh, resentment that I had carried for such a long time and let it go and be uh, more of a quality person to um, be better in my career uh, to assist humanity at this time. It, it, it this, this shift is happening and it, it's super important. I mean, these veterans, I mean, it's, it's really tough for them. Uh, I, I, I did not serve my country and, um, it's just, there's a really strange polarization happening right now with politics and the way the military is ran and the, the people that are hurting, man, and they're just getting prescribed meds and it's just putting a bandaid on top of a, a, a large, you know, problem. And now this, this guy is taking an effort and, and, um, sending these people to just have these, you know, complete turnaround of their lives. It's just wild to watch and it's really beautiful. So I, I would highly recommend uh, to reach out to No Fallen Heroes. It's a Instagram page um, and it's really cool to, to experience in the podcast too. I've listened to it. It's super rad. I love to collaborate with that with those guys and um and uh yeah to, to really um take this shift by the horns and acknowledge what needs to happen here and which in which is um the the unity and um, the unity of humanity, unity of the people that are serving, and the support. And I think the support is super beneficial. If you're listening and you are uh, in a in a state where you are you're not a, a first responder or whatever, but you're just a family member or a friend who knows someone, that helps. When my mom calls me and she says, "Son, I'm so proud of you. I cannot believe you're a firefighter and you're helping people." I'm at work and I'm getting my teeth kicked in. That brightens up my day. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it blows me away. So if you ever get the chance, like these people really need your support and we're, we're taking a huge effort in and bringing this, this second um, thread of, of unity back together because these people need your support, whether you like it or not. And whatever your, your, your visions are on like how police officers, officers operate, how the fire department operates, rid yourself of all the politics and just acknowledge here what we're doing and, and the support that's needed. Um, it's really important and, and beautiful to see and, and witness and the consciousness that's shifting at this time. It's really uh, powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wolf, what you said was extremely inspirational as far as stepping into your true power. And we've preached this before on, you know, the grab lives acronym. Mm-hmm. kind of checking in with yourself, being honest with yourself. What do I need? What's not serving me? You know, for, for me, a big part of my life was recognizing that I was living for others. You know, mm-hmm. I was like a third party mm-hmm. participant in my own life. You know, I was defined by everyone's perception of me. Mm-hmm. So dude, it became addicting when I started to get to know my true self. Right. But do you, can you relate to the idea that it's often scary to step into your full potential? I don't know if I relate to it being scary. It's just more, it's unfamiliar territory. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of anxiety that's caused on the planet is usually people go through these energy shifts and it's something that they don't recognize. And so they resist it. Right. So that resistance of something coming in as you're pushing back on it can cause anxiety. Absolutely. And so 
in that same kind of analogy, like stepping into a part of your being you've just now discovered that's new and you're kind of enamored by it, but also want more of it, but don't know how to do it. Right. It's like this kind of threshold that you're kind of walking back and forth. Yeah. And, you know, navigating from a pure space of your being and not operating from a belief system that somebody else taught you or, or uh, a mold of, of how to walk on the planet or how to operate. And you actually get to start creating the way that you want to show up in life. Yeah. Um, for a lot of people on this planet, they need to have a role model or, you know, I know I love your, your attribute to mentors. And, and but that aside, um, most people have copied like their parents or, or, the, or the cool kid they thought in, in school or whatever it was and kind of molded themselves in a limited way to match that. Right. And either way was limiting and no judgment around it. And so when you actually get a step deeper into yourself, those limitations are like training wheels and they fall off. Yeah. You know, and then you're you're like driving that bicycle and it's wobbling right. and you're trying to figure out. So that moment of wobble on a bike, I can understand how that can be what you call maybe scary. It's just you're unsure. Yeah. You know? And then all of a sudden it clicks in. Yeah. And you're riding and it's smooth. And so that transition I see it as a beautiful opportunity. And the transition for me is, is anytime I go into a new experience, my favorite line to everything is like, interesting. Let's see what comes from this. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I love that reaction. Dude, I've just known like, like when we talk about connecting with source energy, mm -hmm. you know, it's intense. And for a guy like me that didn't live in his heart for a long time, dude, I remember when I first met Leah and I felt like I was truly living in my heart. Mm -hmm. Dude, I would take her out for a date and then I would just like sit up for two hours, like trying to process it all, you know? Yeah. And obviously, like we talk about integration, there's a lot of days, you know, following my ayahuasca ceremony where something else would get downloaded. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, oh shit, it's still coming, you know? The veil is very thin <laughs> right now for me. And you and I discussed just life's serendipitous moments, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter what you believe, when you start feeling connected to this earth, connected to your heart, connected to all the beings around you, dude, that feels good, you yeah. know? And for me, dude, I want more of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it's funny, dude, you bring up how we can often choose one character, one archetype, and just model our behavior. John and I see that a lot in the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's, um, there's one rated member, you know, that a lot of guys just mirror themselves after hmm. but it's interesting dude like i'm not the biggest sports fan in the world but both my parents are from chicago and i grew up watching the bulls hmm. and it's like that whole team was winning championships no one else was trying to be jordan right. you know what i'm saying they all served a purpose and so i love that john's preaching to the rookies trust yourself you know what i'm saying do it better do it like you would do it mm -hmm. right we all have sogs you know and seniority matters in our line of work experience matters but you're on this team for a reason you know what I'm saying? Diversity is a strength. Mm. Look at any movie. Dude. Jeremy and I were talking about Predator last night. Not everyone's holding the big ass knife. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some guy's got the Gatlin gun. Another <laughs> 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 the explosives expert. You know what I'm saying? And For so, sure. like, I really just honor every team member. You know what I'm nice. saying? And you d you deliver that message in such a beautiful way. Step into your power. Be you. Mm. Be the best version of you. Yeah. I just know for me, it's, it's been an intense ride, right? I'm a bit of a hermit. Sometimes when I get exposed to that source energy, until I started to figure out my own cycle of unconditional love, hmm. you know what I'm saying? It would be like that flow coming off a fire hose, you know, and I would like shut it off for a few days. Hmm. 
until I stepped into the natural flow of life and that, that feeling of unconditional love and, you know, ditching that fear of love going away. Right. Cause I have a fear of rejection, fear of abandonment. And that was operating in myself and how I showed up for Leah. As soon as I got rid of that fear, dude, that's how I became the best partner I could. That's how I stepped into my full potential hmm. as a partner. Beautiful. Yeah. We're coming up on a couple hours here, so... Um, oh, we're, what are we, halfway through? <laughs> <laughs> so I'd, I'd love to close um, and really honor the space here. Um, so, yeah, Wolf, I think um, if there's anything else you'd like to add to everything that's been said here, and, and we'll close with um, whatever words you'd like to leave us with. Hmm. Yeah. So know the key to the universe is trust. And I know we've mentioned that word multiple times today on the, on the, on the podcast and, but trusting that internal guidance and it's on point a hundred percent. There's nothing in my life that's ever been a hundred percent, including my decisions. But when I began to listen to that guidance almost 13 years ago, it's been on point a hundred percent. And sometimes you're guided, sometimes you do things you don't want to do. Sometimes you're not guided to, do, to not to do things, some things you really do want to do. Um, but it's a hundred point, hundred percent point all the time. And so that connection can come through your practice. And so if I leave this planet with anything, it's to teach people to trust themselves and to listen to that guidance. And again, that guidance gets connected through deeper practice of loving yourself, whatever it is for yourself. And if you don't have one, you know, Find somebody that can teach you something about a practice. Meditation, journaling, loving yourself. You know, the gym counts, I get it. Running on the beach counts. But it's more like, when do you have a moment of stillness with yourself? Mm. And it doesn't have to be one hour on Sundays. One minute a day is better than an hour on Sunday. And just having that moment to yourself, really honor yourself. And um, it doesn't matter if you fall asleep. I think of 10,000 things, they're both successful. Just give yourself those moments. And you'll begin to hear that internal trust. It's always happening. Um, so, blessings. Wolf, how do people find you? You're on Instagram? How do we, like, if someone wanted to book a ceremony, obviously they start with Cambo. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a lot of what uh, we offer is referral-based only. Gotcha. So, I uh, don't have a big marketing presence, and um, it's more about connection. You know, I have an interview or connect call with every single person that even has interest in coming, they don't have to decide. Um, so it's really personable and we connect with everyone. That's how it works. Um, yes, there's a couple things on media. My partner, him, she manages the Instagram. I don't really do much on it. Um, I couldn't even tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I think it's at Wolf Pernananda. Um, W-O-L-F-P-U-R-N-A-N-A-N-D-A. Um, for Campbell-wise, there is something up there. Um, when it comes to Campbell, I'm certified as what they call a master practitioner. And so um, sponsored by a place called Combo International. And to um, doesn't mean I work with them or for them. It just means who I've gone through for training. also assist with them in trainings as well. And so if you want any information on Cambo, um, the website is cambois.life with an F. 
K-A-M-B-O-I-S dot L-I-F-E. Camo is life. Camo is dot life. And email is wolf at combo is dot life. If anybody has questions around anything we talked about, I'm always open for questions, conversations, emails, texts, phone calls. This is the life's work. And so I'm always open for any kind of connection. Somebody has questions. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. You're an incredible person, brother. Thank you for really joining are. us today. It's an honor. Yeah. Thank you for this. Awesome. Love you both. Love the clothes. All right, guys. Yeah. See you later. <laughs>